Hello there. Four of the big All-Ireland football title contenders are out this weekend in Kerry, Mayo, Galway and Tyrone. And it's Munster hurling fever pitch too. Yeah, it's foot to the floor time as the most frenetic championship of our lifetime steps up a gear. There's no thing to risk, no lulls. We, we feel that we need to tighten up a few things. Be playing whatever opposition is in front of you. We're not in the excuse business. That's not where we operate. It is a tough schedule, but I mean, we've known it for a long time. It was a tough schedule. You know, you're hiding nothing in these games, really. You have to show up, win the game, get over it. And if you don't win it by as much as you're supposed to, you're not great. If you win it by as much as you're supposed to, sure, you're supposed to, like so. You'd love more downtime for these guys because it really, their they're, they're lives are on hold, as I say. But there's, you know, we used to need a good time for this, that, and the other. It doesn't look like there's a lot of time now. Busy, busy, busy weekend ahead in both hurling and football. On tonight's show, we look ahead to it all. Two-time All-Star David Clark joins us as Mayo get back on the wagon. Former Limerick star Niall Moran looks ahead to a belter of a weekend in hurling. And one of the best footballers in the land, Emma Duggan, joins us to chat all things LGFA. That's all on the Championship. Let's get straight into it. Limerick's Niall Moran is with me. Uh, Niall, we could spend a half an hour talking about Tipperary and Limerick just on its own, but uh, all sorts going on in the build-up. I, I suppose I start this week. I, I'd want to give much traction to all that nonsense circulating around the place about maybe Limerick not being a happy camp because we've seen it all so many times before. Where does this sort of stuff start, Niall? Where does it emerge? I as players, we were kind of blessing that there were the fact that they had a couple of weeks off, but I suppose that gave the kind of media powers or the social media powers mm. that be given time to kind of stir the pot. So, look, to be honest, Jim team was named last night. I think any of those rumours were fairly well put to bed. And again, they're nothing but rumours. But, you know what, it just really, the build-up to it the last couple of weeks has really heightened the uh, the atmosphere leading into it. It's probably reminiscent of old Monster Championship. <laughs> Where those two weeks, like obviously Saturday or Sunday is a huge occasion in Tipperary. Um, obviously, you know, with the Dylan Quirk Foundation being rightly honoured. Mm-hmm. And I suppose from a Tipperary perspective, they will want to do his memory the best service they can with, with a huge win against Limerick. And in the same breath, if Limerick are beaten on Sunday, Limerick are out of the Munster Championship and our, our bit four in a row is over. So it is really reminiscent of old Munster Championship. And I just cannot yeah. wait for it moment both stands are sold out and I said it's going to be a cracker I couldn't have put it better myself I spent all week with my brother trying to chat where to park uh, trying to get all the approach rows to Turl to see what would be the best way to slot in the car and maybe get in for 145 to watch the football but just the, the tip selection uh, changes in goals Reece Shelley is in Owen Connolly is in Conor Stakel is in uh, Conor Stakel is in Bonner Maher is in there's changes Niall and there's a more physical look to that tip team there if I can say so yeah, there is, but I suppose, look, um, it'll be interesting to see if that is, that is the team that starts, I suppose, given how well they've done up to this. I would mm. have imagined that he'll up fairly much to his guns, but even, look, Bonner is a very interesting um, addition. Like, he had a really, really good game against Limerick in the league match, um, probably ran out of steam um, with about 20 minutes left. And I suppose, look, you, you'll be trying to look for form lines into this game. I suppose in recent weeks, you're, you're obviously going to argue that Tipperary have shown stronger form lines, especially in terms of up front, where I suppose, like, do you know what I mean? They're hitting goals for four and seven in the last two games. But I suppose one of the interesting kind of teams that has come out of this game between these two teams over the last two two games, I suppose, the league match, in the second half, Limerick scored, outscored um, tip 116 to 9. And the same kind of pattern in the last 10 minutes of last year's championship fixture, Limerick outscored, um, outscored tip 263 points. So I suppose Liam Cannon might be taking note of that and 
again, is it quite possible that he's going to finish with the strongest team as opposed to start with the strongest team? I think so, because that seems to be the periods where a lot of Limerick's challengers in recent games have gone at them, that period after half time, and I suppose being able to sustain that intensity. And I suppose in Watford's case, they probably that's where they probably fell down. But in Clare's case, I suppose that was the one difference between them and the previous challengers. That's a, a great read of that, Niall. Just uh, in terms of where do both teams need to tighten up? It's probably clear Tipperary need to tighten up at the back, but what would Limerick have worked most on in the last three weeks? Um, I, I suppose up front, you have to argue. Like, like again, in, in order to win a lot of these most championship games, you're talking 28, 29, 30 points, and supposed to hit that target, you're, you're probably looking at two or three goals. Um, and Limerick's probably scoring average the last couple of games is back to 23, whereas so last year's Munster Championship, they were up on 29 or 30. So like, you have to start making up that difference, those couple of goals. Um, even Joel Mean against Clare, like, they would have been disappointed like that. Joel Mean won, what, Limerick score, two, two twenty, twenty-two scores. Like That's not the kind of numbers that they'd have been used to hitting in, in their KPIs previous to that so I definitely think that is where they need to free it up a little bit and look a part of me is like, I would love to see Peter Casey closer to the goals I think especially against Tipperary in recent years he's been a major threat and I kind of feel that he's probably falling into the Graham Mulcahy role of previous years going out and working in that workaholic yeah the workaholic and a part of me Damon is just like if he is up close to goals and Galan is in beside him and Shami Flanagan is in beside him if you just push forward a little bit more and trust what we have at the back because we have an exceptional defence with or without Sean Finn we still have six exceptional backs yeah and Finn is serious serious loss uh, over in Eniston Bull then across the way uh, in the county borders Niall you're looking at uh, Clare and Cork and I just wonder like uh how how tight Cork are going to find it down there? I I can't call this one either because uh, Cork are more direct uh, this year, I think. But they're going to get some experience in Cusick Park. It's going to be some experience here. Talking about in, in Istanbul, as well as I say. <laughs> Did you like that one? Or, a, a lot of hostilities here around uh, where we're living. Here we're on the Tipperary Clare border here yeah. in Castlecanna. So we're not sure whether to look left or right and hopefully we'll be able to go for a point somewhere on Sunday evening. But <laughs> In so fairness, he, Niall, I got the Eniston Bull one off Mark Foley on TG Carr during the week. I, he, should, he should know. I say he was often uh, hunted out of it. But <laughs> I said, look, uh, really, uh, this character, it, it is a magnificent weekend of hurling. Like, and even I suppose looking JA, I think we're probably cramming a month's action in previous in a previous lifetime into 24 hours. And that's probably the one disappointing thing. A party view would love to be in both Ennis and Thurlis on, uh, this weekend, but obviously we can't. In relation to the game, I think, I thought Clare obviously were exceptional against Limerick. I thought they were a little bit off it against Watford. I thought if they'd had to play better opposition in the first half of that game, um, they could have been in a little bit of trouble. And given the nature of how Clare and Cork has gone in recent years, I suppose since the inception of the round robin in, in 18, it's been every second year. Um, do you know what I mean? And I suppose this time around, it, it seems that Cork are due to win. And I, I like Cork. And again, I think it's no different to maybe what was said earlier about Tipperary. Cork have a superb bench. Like, look, you still have a situation where Shane Kingston doesn't start again. Shane Barrett, who I thought has been very impressive, doesn't start. Uh, Alan Cadigan to come on so again like Clare would have to have their ducks in a row coming down the home straight because I think Cork could have a, a bench massive bench impact and uh, look again I'm not sure where, where Aidan McCarthy's stance is but he was a he major loss in a tighter game like Sunday so if you're to ask me and I know Ennis is a tough place to win and a lot of teams don't come out of their victories I think Cork could sneak that one on Sunday That's a really interesting one uh, 
Niall, over the way, it's not as frantic in Leinster, but that's not to say that it won't be a Leinster team lifting Lee McCarthy in a few weeks' time or a few months' time. So, can I just, we have about two minutes, can we just chat about the three games there that are coming up? Like, I mean, you have Wexford Westmead, you have Galway Antrim, Kenny Dublin probably the most interesting. Yeah, look, very, very interesting. I, suppose. So I, I live on your point there. Munster is a bloodbath, and I would think that it, when Galway and Kilkenny come out of Leinster, which they will, they're going to be, make very dangerous opposition, and Kilkenny in particular. I suppose, look, the standout for Dublin has obviously been Donald Burke, and he's averaging 12 or 13 points a game. But um, they, Dublin will need more than that. And I suppose, look, their form to date was that winning against Wexford will give them immense confidence. Their form in recent years against Kilkenny, even the last couple of fixtures, they've taken big beatings. They've coughed up 2.25, 3.25 in both those outings. And I don't see Kilkenny beaten. And they're a team who are gathering momentum. And meanwhile, I suppose, if you go west, it's hard to see anything but a Galway victory above an Antrim. Um, Galway tend to dismantle teams that are a bit, bit weaker than them. So I would mm. be fearful that if he's if his uh, team aren't in the right mindset that could be a long afternoon I suppose look unfortunately for Wexford and Westmead at this stage it seems a dead rubber with the only thing being what way Westmead can kind of regather themselves Niall it was great talking to you and if you're under pressure to get a route out of Thurless on Sunday evening drop me a text we, we have loads of little by roads for you yeah I say the Galtie Mountain boy some of his routes might come in handy this uh, Sunday thanks for it for Niall great talk to you Now, delighted to be joined by former Mayo goalkeeper David Clark. Uh, David made 133 appearances for Mayo, including 56 in the Championship. Uh, it was nearly a 20-year career. Uh, Dave, good to talk to you again. Uh, your, your county have been in hibernation. Well, I won't say hibernation, but they've been away from the glare of the public for the last five or six weeks, and now they go straight into it. This really is, I suppose, the time of the year to be, to be peaking for David, when all is considered. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it is a what nine, ten weeks out from an All Ireland final. So uh, I suppose in any season, as much as this is a change season time wise, it's uh, the time to be getting going. Um, yeah, as I said, Mayo they've had that break, and in many ways, it mightn't be a bad thing. Um, I think Kevin McStay came in, set his stall out at the start of the season that he was going after that league, game after game, even FBD early on. You know, mm. strong preseason, get going, and uh, unfortunately, they didn't seem to hit the. The, the peaks that are needed for championship football but there is a difference between league and championship football so uh, I can imagine uh, from my past experiences of similar situations with Mayo and Tony Buckley involved there was tough tough training there for a number of weeks uh, with that break and that, that can really set the set the tone for going forward um, I was listening to Kevin even during the week and he's he's a very plain talker and straight um, there was no talk of systems no talk of, uh, you know, Anton Fancy. He says he's really looking for aggression, real pressing, going after Curry this weekend. Uh, that's, I suppose, what fans want to see. There was a, there was a feeling maybe against Roscommon, sat back a bit, didn't get to the pitch of the game. So it, it'll be interesting. And I'm sure they'll they'll bring that this weekend. Yeah, that's interesting, Dave. Shami O'Shea was saying during the week that there's a small bit element yet of a phony war feel about this in that you could lose two games in this kind of round-robin series and still survive. Um the GEA want to protect against dead rubber, so you can see their point of view as well. What do you think of this new format? Yeah, look, there's a lot of negativity about it, in fairness, some of the stuff I've been listening to this week, but like, I'm trying to take the positive view on it. Um, just for this for this weekend alone, there's some real good games. And as much as you can say that there's nothing to, there's nothing to, to you know, there's nothing to be gained or mm. to be really lost by winning or losing, but I, I feel... Curry and Tyrone are going in there as top 
top seeds. Uh, now, Kerry and Galway going as top seeds. There's an opportunity for Mayo and Tyrone to take that top seed away from them. And there is a real prize at the end of the at the end of this group if you can finish top. You're getting that week break going into a quarter final. So I think there is a prize there for the real top team because I, I know myself a number of years ago we, we were involved. We got in the Super Eights. I think we finished second on the group, and you were straight into playing Dublin a week later. That that's not an easy thing, and that, that could be potentially for some of the teams that are finishing second or third in the groups if they if they have real ambitions of winning winning in All Ireland. Um, so I think there is a prize. There's a lot to be lost maybe for. For the top seeds this weekend, uh, I suppose to have the home advantage, and I suppose there's, there's, a, there's an unbelievable record down in Killarney to be to be broken if that's if that is going to change that the top seed ranking. But look, and the broader sense of it as well, yeah, I think there's there's a, an opportunity there to not have dead rubbers. Every every game may have some kind of input, you know, bring something to the to the table. But in the broader sense, I think Super Eights didn't really work from what I could see. There was mm. only four or five teams that were that were really in contention. We need these games, the likes of Kildare, the likes of Cork, even go down to the Talton Cup, teams with big population base. We need them to get more and more games that we can potentially get six, seven, eight teams who are really competing for an Ireland final. Once you have that, then, then you have a real competition. Every game really matters in your top eight teams. At the moment, we've 16. And I can see what they're doing. I think hope, hopefully people will stick with this. There's a re- For me, I'm being maybe really optimistic. It's not all about money. That there's a really bigger picture from the GA that they want to try and bring teams on. Because you won't bring teams on by playing one or two games. They need to play four, five, six championship games. Be playing for longer in their season. You know, Then they're getting the idea of the way real teams, the top teams, uh, you know, work. That it's you know twelve months a year SNC that it's you you know twenty four hour athlete all this type of stuff, and I think if if we can buy into this for a number of years, you will see the likes of Kildare, Cork get back up to the top level. I said the teams with the big population bases down, um, get Donegal back to the top table mm. again. Once you get that eight nine teams really competing, then you'd have an amazing Super Eight competition. That's, a, that, that's, that's yeah. just my view on it. Anyway. No, it's a really interesting view and it's good to hear the other side of it coming up more and more too and, and Kevin McStay has made three changes for that game. David McBride is back in, Sam Callanan is in a cornerback championship debut and uh, James Carr is back in too. Uh, speaking about Donegal, Will they find it tough against a team that continue, continues to confound the odds? And I know they got a bit of a beating in the Munster final, but if you look at Clare's footballing population, Colm Collins is doing wonders. Can you see any sort of a... Could you even call it a surprise if, if Clare won that game? How do you feel about it, David? Um, I suppose realistically, Donegal should be winning that game looking at league positions and, and uh, mm. past, past performances. But there's something not right in Donegal. It's a strange feeling for me anyway. Like just even talking to some of the supporters I work in Sligo, the lot of Donegal people down there, they're nearly just waiting for the season to finish. Yeah. There's a feeling that they've given up. There's this type of feeling. I won't say but like Ralph Ranyak, interim manager. Like I don't know, does the players are they really buying into it? The public definitely aren't from what I can see from speaking with people in Donegal. But you look at Donegal's team on paper, there's quality players there. And I suppose it's 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 re- it's really it's really down to them. I suppose it's it's a short career. Um are you going to just throw away a season? Um, it'll be a long couple of months. It'll be a long month for them if they lose this game down in clear. And amazingly, um, as you say, Colm Collins, the way his team has been performing the last number of years, they're consistently, you know, top 16, top 12. This would be a great opportunity to get a real top team scout. Uh, we played down there a number of years ago. Unbelievable atmosphere. There's a warm day down there, massive crowd. Like these provincial grounds, when there's big crowds at them, just they're amazing. Yeah. Like some of my best memories of playing was actually Killarney and in Ennis against teams 
against them teams, you know, bring something really different. It was something new for us playing championship football on the ground. So I won't call it a surprise, but I'm hoping Donegal, I think that they'll have a bit of pride in themselves and uh, I'm hoping that their players will will step up a level and we'll see what they're really like because they've got some talented players. Yeah, I just feel Clare are going to come bouncing back after that Munster final because they didn't show up and, and that will really drive them mad. But we moved to Pierce Stadium now, a place you know, um, well, you know it quite well, Galway and Tyrone and... Tyrone will want to bounce back as well but I look at their side Dave and on paper they're as good as anybody in Ireland and Galway are really really into their zone over the last 18 months I think that will be a cracker of a game and will home advantage swing it there do you feel? Uh, possibly um, like that as well I suppose there's an unknown element about Tyrone uh, the way they're coming there's some good sounds coming out of them uh, they seem to be refocused Um they seem to have added, they're a very similar team to the team that won the All-Ireland, but they've added, I suppose, Derek Hanavan, and he seems to be on fire from the last day, from what I could see. He seems to have a great relationship with uh, the Dazzler, as he called himself up front. <laughs> uh, so so, so, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Galway, was there's a lot of talk on them, and maybe there's a bit of expectation now. They're everybody's maybe second favourite for the All-Ireland. They're everybody's outside favourite. I suppose everything has gone nearly perfect for them so far. Did well in the league, probably should have won the league final. Had their, um, you know, cruise through Connacht, uh, added a bit of depth to their squad, especially up front. Ian Burke, probably one of my favourite players to, to watch. He's the type of player that just likes making other players look better. Uh, Peter Cook as well, a bit of strength. But at the back, they seem to be still holding mm. things really tight. But without Liam Silk and uh, Kieran Malloy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah like th- th- their two losses. I'm not sure if they have that strength and depth. Um, but that time will tell. Uh, again, as I said, expectation. Uh, it's on them now. They're expected to win this. They're the team, I suppose, that have a lot to lose over in this group um, with with the tough teams that are in their group. You know, they yeah. their top seeds. Can they come out of it? A top seed if they do, they're really in the in the frame for winning that All Ireland. Yeah, um, if, if I, I was if I was as good as Darren McCurry, David, I'd have a, a lot stronger nickname than the Dazzler for myself. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Will, just a last question for you then, and will you? It's kind of two questions in one. Will you just call Sligo Kildare for me? And I think your overriding message here this weekend is to sit back and enjoy the bloody games and, and not be worried about what it'll mean or what it won't mean uh, going forward. Like, look at look at the games we're talking about. I mean, Sligo Kildare is probably the, the the weakest of the bunch with due respect to the blockbusters you have ahead of it, like, you know. Yeah, Sligo Kildare, look, I, I have to say Kildare, uh, but it's an opportunity. Uh, whichever team wins this is a great chance of getting out of the group. So that that that's that's something exciting. Mm. But yeah, as you said, I, I I'm just looking forward to seeing the games. We're, we're waiting for football for a long time now for the real teams to meet each other. Sometimes we didn't get to see these type of teams play each other until maybe the last the last four, you know, the last eight. So we're we're a bit ahead of that. But uh, it'll be there will be some weeks it's not going to be as exciting. But this week I'm trying to be childlike and just looking tunnel vision at this weekend. Uh, enjoy it and see where we go and as well as GA people I'm just hoping that we can maybe sit back give this thing an opportunity and hopefully we can get a a better competition in four or five years when we get get teams up to a certain level David Clark it was great to chat to you and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks if you don't mind no problem good to chat to you yeah that was David Clark there one of the the greatest goalkeepers I've seen anyway and uh, a great uh, analyst as well now it's time to chat ladies football another great of the game joins us she's only 21 years of age and she's already won it all. Sinead Goldrick has been tackled and dispossessed there. And it's a chance now for Grimes. She leaves it into Duggan. Duggan with a chance and it's a goal. Goal for Emma Duggan for me. People do ask the question of, you know, you've, you've kind of won, you've kind of reached the pinnacle. Like, how do you keep going? But 
I think once you get a taste of success, of success like you just want to keep going at it. And, you know, if you could just bottle that feeling that we experienced after winning the two All-Irelands, like you just want to get that feeling again. And, and that's why you play sport really is, is to get that feeling and get alongside your friends. Like it's, it's, it's nothing I've ever felt before. It's nothing I've ever experienced before. And you just, you're so hungry to get that again. That I think you don't really need much more motivation. Like, and even on, on days where, you know, you might be feeling great or whatever it is, like you've your teammates beside you um, and they want it just as bad as you do. And it's just a knock on effect all the time. Um, so I think, yeah. you know, definitely this year, like it's going to be a poor enough league campaign. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably pe- people writing us off as well, which is, you know, a bit of motivation here as well. And so, you know, there, there are different things every year, really. But I think just just getting that feeling again, experiencing that feeling again, is, is kind of what you, what you strive towards. Was the fact maybe that, you know, Eamon and Paul and, and the, the coaching team stepped down, different stages, mind, and then a, a new coaching team came in. First of all, how was the switch over, Emma? And secondly, does that almost help you reset because it, it just appears to be a blank canvas again? Yeah, it's, it's obviously tough. Like, change is always quite difficult. Like, and I think people underestimate it a lot of the time. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, you've you've pretty much the same team. Why can't you just pick up where you, where you left off? But it's, it's not as easy as that. You know, you're coming under a new manager where, you know, they might have different views on things, you know, they've different, you know, philosophies, you know, different things like this. And it can be quite difficult. And you're kind of getting to know a new person. You're so used to, you know, we're so used to Eamon and Paul and Jane, the lads, like, and mm. you're getting used to, you know, a, a new setup really like, um, and but you know what, the lads have come in, they've been brilliant. They're not trying to change absolutely everything. You know, what's, what's doing for us now is, is working. They're just trying to tweak little things and it's great to have their few on things and, and get a new opinion. It's, it's breath fresh air really um and you know it, it has been a transition and uh but i think you know we're well used to the lads now and, and they're used to us and i think it's it's time though i suppose we start kind of producing on the pitch now teams know how we play now they're doing things to stop that and you kind of have to evolve a little bit as well in terms of just just tweak things here and there so that you know one of the girls said at the start of the year a great thing you know you kind of have to set the bar so that no one else can reach it um and that's kind of what we're trying to do now we're kind of trying to set the bar at another level so that teams can't can't reach that, you know, teams are always kind of getting closer to you and getting closer to, I suppose, defeating that system that we've implemented. But as long as we keep moving it up, we're hoping that no yeah. one can kind of get to it. But that's the challenge for us this year. When the WGPA joined up with the GPA, it suddenly became a very, very strong for, force for players. As regards the governing bodies joining together, can integration happen quickly enough for you guys? And from your perspective, what would it actually mean, do you think, Emma, on a practical basis? I think um, it's it's not something that's going to happen overnight, that's for sure. And it's, this, you know, every season, you know, we're getting, you know, we're moving steps closer. But it it is obviously kind of a waiting game, really. Like, you kind of have to take it step by step and we're not expecting things to just happen like that either. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's the way forward, really, and um, to just everyone come under the one umbrella. I think obviously there is a gap there still, although we've we've come on leaps and bounds in the last years, there's there is still a gap there, different things. And you know, you're kind of seeing things come out in the media this year as well, in terms of you know, different things that have happened in, in the LGFA and, and different, you know, counties and stuff like that. But it's something that, you know, we we all need to look towards. And I've no doubt it's gonna happen. You know, the work that the GPA are doing and the likes of Tom Parsons and and, and people like that, that the work that they're doing is absolutely incredible. And you know, they have so much respect for the, the ladies game. And once you have that, um, they're, you know, everyone's so passionate about making it, making it the one. Um, and, and like I said, once you have that, like you can't go, 
you can't go very wrong. Um, yeah. I think it'll it'll help massively in closing that gap, I suppose, in terms of equality and stuff like that. But um, you know, it like I said, you can only be satisfied with the with the improvements that it is making. So teams have reached such levels now in terms of tactics, conditioning, um, or, or you know, game awareness that that obviously different codes are coming looking at our best players. And I'm sure you've had probably offers or you've had interest before, Emma. Um what is it like? being at your stage in life now whereby you could maybe possibly combine both or you want to finish off your college and stay in Ireland or there is offers there. I'm sure it is fantastic, but what's your view of the opportunities that are out there? And I suppose you're speaking to a, a traditionalist here who could be worried it might affect the game back home. Where do you stand and where does the balance lie? Look, I think, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion on this and, you know, it's, it is a top of a conversation, but I think it's obviously a great opportunity for players to go out um, and experience the lifestyle that they're getting. You know, you're going off to a different country where the weather's a lot better. You're kind of getting paid for what you're doing. Yeah. Lifestyle, like it's a professional lifestyle. All you have to do is, you know, think about football. You don't have, you know, college or whatever to think about for a lot of people. Like, so, you know, it's they're kind of selling you the dream, really, and you can't really... Um, you know, give out or complain about yeah. people that are going over and take the opportunity. I think a lot of people that go over and experience it are kind of at the stage where they want to travel a bit, they want to see different places, which, you know, you can understand as well. Obviously, um, at the moment, players can balance both football and AFLW, which is, you know, obviously very ideal. I'm sure in a yeah. few years as the AFLW kind of progress as well, that might change coming into a longer season. Players won't be able to do both, um, which is probably where a lot of people are thinking the issue may lie as well. So, you know, when that comes down to it, players are going to have a decision to make in terms of, you know, whether they want to commit to their, commit themselves, you know, for a few years to FLW or they want to commit to, to football, um, who knows. But um, I think, look, like I said, it's a great opportunity. Um, obviously, there is, it's it's nearly turning to the norm these days for players to go over. But um, as long as players can do both, I'm sure they're happy with it. Um, but, you know, in a few years when that issue arises, you know, we'll cross it then. Um, I'm not sure what will happen, but um, okay. yeah, it's 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 a difficult one to kind of answer at the moment. Emma, it's great talking to you. Best luck this season. And please, God, to see you on the sideline soon, all right? Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, my thanks to Emma there, who was speaking to us at the announcement of Optimum Nutrition as the official performance partner of the Gaelic Players Association. Well, that's it for this week's show, folks. The programme was produced by Damien O'Mara. Tommy O'Sullivan was on sound. From myself, Damien Lawler, stay safe. We'll chat again next weekend.